It's been really rad sending stickers out to people who've donated to the Kevin Wilkins Fund. We really appreciate it, and so does Kevin. It should really make a difference as he faces down prostate cancer. If you want stickers of the Most Skateboarding logo in black and green, all you have to do is donate at least $10 to the Kevin Wilkins Fund, forward your receipt to mostlyskateboarding at gmail.com along with your mailing address, and we'll send you an even mix of black and green Most Skateboarding stickers. You can find the link to donate in this week's show notes. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Templeton Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we're talking about skater-made music and dime. We didn't get a glory challenge this year, but the dime squad never disappoints. They got a group of friends together for Dime on Ice, a giant roll-in on an ice-covered lake. The resulting video brought a big smile to my face. How about you, Jason? Yeah, it was uh, tremendous. Yeah, it's great to see those guys out doing it given us some content this year who knows about uh the status of the glory challenge moving forward but uh yeah this was pretty funny i can't believe someone did a 360 flip on a frozen lake holy shit it might be uh maybe it's easier because there's no like friction or whatever you don't even have to like scoop it really but yeah this was tremendous like i'm not usually into wacky like obstacle shit or whatever but yeah like all this shit at the challenge is special. I was like rewatching the 2019 one, getting ready for this podcast. That was when they had it was at like the Olympic Stadium complex or whatever, and they skated like that big hubba down like 18 stairs or whatever, like the roof of some shit. That was yeah. I mean, the Glory Challenge. The Glory Challenge is kind of like the skate Coachella slash the skate Daytona Bike Week slash NBA All Star Weekend. You know what I mean? It's just a big, uh, big time for people come to come together and fucking have a good time. So hopefully they'll be able to do it at some point in the future. Yeah, Dime's great, man. What can you say? They're one of the fucking best brands out for sure. Patrick, what do you think of Dime on Ice? I loved it, and I am so jealous of anyone who's gotten to go to the Dime Glory Challenge because I've always wanted to go to Montreal, get my French on, get a salt bagel, post up, drink beers in the street, or as Jason put it earlier was we were getting ready, so you got to be shotgunning beers. You know what? I'm <laughs> I'm down to take it back. <laughs> it, it's I think the thing that the thing that really gets me hyped about Dime is that it's an anti-contest. So it's kind of like North America's equivalent to the Copenhagen the Copenhagen Open, where everybody just shows up. It's not really about like oh I got to go see this pro skate in a contest. No, it's like hey I like might get past something from some pro or we might crush some beers and have a good laugh about something or we're going to go have a, a great meal together and we're just going to hang out and just take over the city. And that, to me, is is way more fun this, than the idea of... Because I think... You know, no, no hate on street league or contest skating in general because that's a huge part of skateboarding and that's a corner of skateboarding and a lot of our favorite pros, they establish themselves as contest skaters. And the thing about contests is like it's a whole different skill set. It's a whole different vibe. But especially like looking at the crowd and looking at the, you know, seeing the kind of the behind the scenes. Like I watched that Red Bull Street League documentary from a few years ago. And it just seems like like it's like it's really serious. Like these guys are, you know, they are really preparing for something that could be a game changer. At the very least, it's going to put money in their pockets. So I got to ask, why is it, what is it about the dime glory challenge like especially like for example that wall ride competition or the big game of skate or just like that big champ they do like they're like oh yeah or like the the ridiculous the stunner shades the sunglasses like 
you know, skateboarding has been in fun mode for a few years now, guys. Like, but what is it like? Why has it been so difficult to bring that fun mode to competitions and do it well? I think for most competitions, they want to be taken really serious. You know, like I've always said, you know, let the dime guys run the Olympics for skateboarding. Like it would be so sick. But I think that the Olympics wants something really serious. Like these guys are serious athletes who've been training all their lives for this moment, blah, blah, blah. And like dime is like, these dudes rip and like, let's see them do a kickflip at like 35 miles an hour and like make them wear silly shades. Like that'll be fun. And we'll... You know, it's, like, super fun, but also it's, like, these guys are getting fucking gnarly. You know, there's, like, that, uh, I think maybe in the 2017 or 2018 one, they had the giant flat bar on the bank-to-bank that was, like, shaped like a sword. You know, like, mm-hmm. you could yeah. fucking seriously hurt yourself on that thing, and any trick that goes down on it is super gnarly. But it's all just, like, surrounded in a joke, so it just feels way more fun and feels way more like skateboarding yeah i was uh yeah getting ready for the podcast i was watching a bunch of those like like the speed like the one they had in the stadium was like the speed challenge like people are like crashed into each other and shit they're alling over like a volcano that's shooting fire like i'm like uh, i'm surprised someone hasn't gotten like really like broken off of one of these things uh but yeah like uh like you mentioned no it's like they these guys are showmen you know what i mean they know how to put on a show in like the classical you know what i mean vaudevillian sense or whatever oh no i feel that but here's the thing though templeton so you point out that the olympics wants to be perceived as serious but you know and i know and jason knows what goes down in the olympic village <laughs> it's freaking <laughs> I mean, come on, yo. They, they they stay handing out condoms. We know people are getting down in the Olympic Village. I mean, come on. The U.S. the U.S. Winter Olympics team comes through. Everybody is absolutely fresh to death in polo. They're in peak physical condition. Like, I understand that the, there's an air of seriousness with the Olympics, but we all know that they get down. You know for a fact that like once your competition's over, you're just like, yo, what's good? What's popping? What y'all doing later? Right, but with with the Dime Glory Challenge, it's like, what's popping before the contest? You know, everybody's going out drinking. Maybe they're showing up to the <laughs> to the contest lit. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a serious thing, and that's what makes it fun. And I, I also think like it feels, you know, I've never been, so I don't really know, but it feels like as a spectator you're like on the ground level like with the pros like you could be rubbing elbows with the pros it's not like here i am in the stands and all the pros are over there you know in like the green room or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah with with street league i think what they're trying to do is like situate it as an actual sport that could be shown on espn or like abc on saturday or whatever you know in the uh in like the pantheon of sports programming or whatever so that's kind of the angle that they took you know what i mean and oh. uh with, with like the n- number system or whatever you know the, the scoring so algorithm sort of, yeah or whatever they use something that can appear on abc's wide world of sports yeah, you don't remember that from back yeah. in the day oh, yeah that's the, that's the thing the wild world wild world, wild world of sports wide world of sports god damn it <laughs> i, I kind of would like it if it was wild world you know if it was uh kind of like you know what? You know what show actually did a pretty decent job of presenting skateboarding, and we've talked about it before. Was MTV Sports with Dan Cortez? Mm-hmm. They had a skate episode that they filmed at Chicken's Pool. There was actually rollerblading in it. 
and they were skateboarding. There was a bunch of cats from uh, from Nashville, one of whom is now over at Primitive. And I can't remember what episode we referenced that in, and we talked all about Primitive. Uh, but that whole thing was cool. Like it presented it really well, and they still showed it. It made skateboarding look really fun, and and actually, props to '90s MTV for doing that plus the grind. But I bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Eric from the grind from fucking uh, Weehawken or whatever. About Eric Nice. That's New York or somewhere around there. That oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I'm just coming in on the path train. <laughs> We're going to Limelight tonight. <laughs> Come through. Press um, path, man. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about that episode of MTV Sports because there's footage in there of the rollerbladers at Brooklyn Banks. And there used to be a contest at Brooklyn Banks. There was one that's in 411 where Danny Way does a nose slide on the rail there. And it almost feels like what do you what do you all think would be another city that you could hold a dime glory challenge in that wouldn't result in a bunch of us all getting arrested at once? Man, I I think you could take the glory challenge show on the road, really. Like any city, any big city that has like a couple of pros that live there you know they could take it to la new york philly um austin probably portland and just like you know it'd be like some of the dime guys some local guys and there would be like some of the the classic dime glory challenge events and then there'd be like city specific events that would reference you know shit that's popping in that city and like i think they could pack an arena for that shit you know like go to philly They'll have like a, a mini love park challenge or something like that. And then like, you know, they'd probably have some like fake cops come in and like try to arrest the skaters or something like, you know, just it'd be awesome. Kind of ridiculous, but um, amazing to see in person, I think. Also, Dime had probably one of the greatest commercials of all time. Y'all know the one I'm talking about. Wade Disarmo pulling up in a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Getting oh, into yeah. a helicopter. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, just shit like that is uh yeah, so well done. Like, oh, and he opens up some champagne and like he pours it on the hood. Yeah. Like what? Who does that? You know? It was like cuz like remember the skit in um in Trilogy where Shiloh's breaking out of jail and Kareem and them are waiting on the Honda Civic. Like it's like it's like all those skits that we used to see but with a, a proper budget. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness, it's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I love that they don't take themselves too serious. I think that's yeah, kind of like the key. A, yeah, it's like, I, I think I said this before on here, but it's like all the best brands are like just some like stupid inside jokes with you and your friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like like their shoe collabs, they did like a Sean Kemp Reebok. You know what I mean? Just like on some 90s basketball shit. They did like the New Balance, like gray dad shoe, like the 550 or whatever, you know, one of those. And uh, time's also interesting because the actual crew of dudes or whatever is they all like completely fucking rip, but they don't really get too much coverage besides like the little dime videos and whatnot. You know what I mean? And then you got like Tiago who's always over them, like Jake Johnson is in the ad in the new thrash or whatever. So it's kind of a mix of just like people who are down with their uh, their vibe and like locals. You know what I mean? From I guess Mon- I guess Montreal. Was it like was, fucking rip? Was there? Was there an equivalent back in the day? Because it felt like if you were starting like a clothing company or anything skateboard related, it was very serious. I'm trying to, maybe like, uh, no, like, no one was really like that, like satirical or whatever. Yeah, it was all pretty like four star. Four star came out, it was like 
you know what I mean? But they're like, we're like the elite clothing company. Like, here's like the ad with like just like a sequence and four stars. So like, yeah, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that was had that type of angle, you know? Yeah, I, f- I feel like you always knew who was on what team. Like, you know who the four star team is. It's in the ad, but it's like I don't know who's on dime. Like, is Jake Johnson on dime? Is Tiago on dime, or is he just like a, a homie that gets hooked up and likes to hang out with those dudes? Like, it's so weird that we just don't know. And maybe that's like what's cool about it is like my perception is just that Jake Johnson and Tiago think that Dime is cool, so they're like down for it. It's not like Dime is like, hey, like you know, we'll pay you this much money every month, and you gotta like get three photos and Thrasher, blah blah. blah. It's just like, yeah, like you think we're cool, we think you're cool, like let's hang out. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Big Brother could have been it, but before they went under, before they got bought out by Larry Flint, things were so hectic and haphazardly done that I don't think that they could have organized something. Like, Big Brother videos had, like, at least shit, the first video had all types of different characters in it on different teams, some of them doing wacky stuff. I mean, you had that Steve Berra and a bunch of people touring through the Midwest. Oh, yeah, with Simon Woodstock. You had Day One and a couple of other people skating in you know Southgate Harbor Harbor Gateway area of Los Angeles but it, it like and you also like you had like what is it the, the bong olympics in there but it, it i think it was just footage that they compiled over time it was there was not nearly as intentional as diamond like diamond is like obviously very funny in a weird in a in a quirky and weird sort of way but like to Jason's earlier point everybody rips and i'm thinking about what do y'all think is the best street challenge or the, the best contest challenge for, for dime. Cause I think my favorite was the downhill from 2018. And it was, a, I think it was like a week. I think it was the week before I got married. So there was no way in hell I was going to make it to Montreal, <laughs> but um, it was uh, the downhill street challenge where they had a kick, uh, a kicker ramp and you know, the late great Henry Gartland, for example, busting that huge Ollie down it, uh, folks doing tray flips, vario flips, whatever, or or even like hitting the rail on the side or hitting the stairs that were alongside that's probably my favorite what about y'all i kind of think the um the wade versus i shot game of skate uh was pretty legendary you know wade comes out in uh like one of those like box like silk like boxer robes you know what i mean and shit like that that was pretty legendary also the uh, like the wall ride challenge where they had like a wall obviously and then like two quarter pipes and they kept like moving them further and further apart. That was pretty intense. She was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I like anything where the the gap gets bigger and bigger. Like they did a challenge like that. Um, I think it was a Joe Valdez challenge where they gapped from stairs onto like a skinny box that then had that then had a flat bar protruding out of it, and you're supposed to ollie onto the box and grind the flat bar. That's that's pretty hairy to watch, but I think my favorite is the gangster challenge where you land your trick and then you just like slump down and try to look dope. It's just so ridiculous and so fun. <laughs> I just laugh thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, because dudes were doing like sick tricks and then they just have to like land in like this super silly, silly way. But everybody, everybody's like down for it. Which is, you know, everybody's down to clowns, so it, it makes it so much better. Like, nobody's too cool. Or if they're too cool, they just don't show up and they don't ruin the party. 
No, I mean, yeah, you see, like, people who you thought were, like, super serious. Like, Danny Way, you know what I mean? Danny Way did that, uh, the Walry Challenge, you know what I mean? Who, who knew he had a sense of humor, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> the most uh, super serious uh, types of guys. Although, like, he's, his humor was kind of, like, jock-like stupid shit, like, like throw a cake and like drive up to somebody and like throw a cake in their face and then drive off. You know what I mean? Was that a night? Was that a 90s thing? I went to one of my buddy's 40th birthday parties and his girlfriend mushed the cake in his face. And maybe this is the uh, first generation American immigrant parents in me. I'm thinking like, how are you going to waste all that food? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, delicious cake. What the fuck? What are we going to have for dessert? Yeah, like, like mush the whole cake in his face. Yeah, may, maybe. That's the only, uh, nothing comes to mind. But anyway, like, yeah, there's all types, like Shane O'Neill comes out, you know what I mean? Who's uh, supposedly like all robotic and shit. So yeah, it's like all types of people who you wouldn't think would be down for that type of uh, clown foolery uh, coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think the last one, the 2019 version, a bunch of uh, serious newsmen showed up and covered it for like the New York Times and GQ, which I think is pretty hilarious. And I, I have a feeling that those writers uh, both probably made like a Hail Mary pitch to their editors and were like, oh shit, this worked. Like I get to go to the Dime Glory Challenge on the Glory oh, yeah. Dime. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh shit. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. There was a thing in like the New York Times. It might have been the magazine. I don't know. There's something in like Vogue or GQ about it. Yeah, I remember that now. Damn, it seems like yeah. Anything before twenty twenty seems like like it might as well have been like fifty years ago or something. Like just like watch, just like watching the video of the twenty nineteen when I was like, damn, dude, this is crazy. Like who knows when this will ever happen again? Yeah, yeah. It it may as well have been two thousand five. It feels like yeah. forever ago. <laughs> but yeah, that was a New York Times multimedia piece, and I'm just thinking about how would you even. How would you get the time to sign off? Because if it was me, I'd be going full Hunter S. Thompson. You send me to Montreal to cover skateboarding, and I'm me? Oh, my God. We're wiling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's worth covering just because it's like skateboarding is going to be in the Olympics and then show like this other side of it that's like, you know, most people wouldn't understand. Just, you know, it's not a timed contest run. There's no scores, really. It's not even really a contest, you know. I don't. I don't think anybody wins the Dime Glory Challenge, do they? Game of Skate. Yeah, I guess the Game of Skate and the Gladiator Challenge. There are clear winners, but mm-hmm. you know who who did the like dopest trick over a couch and landed the dopest or whatever. Yeah. Um, didn't but, Wecking Ball? Didn't wasn't there? Some, didn't he win something at the at the Dime? One of the Dime Glory cha- Challenges. Yeah, I think he won the Gladiator Challenge, which is kind of like a sumo wrestling push everybody out of the circle oh be, like, was it him last and, like, man standing him and donta hill right uh yeah i think so i know donta hill has been in, at some of those see all right because all right i have a, like a little glimmer of hope for 2021 and if not 2021 2022 i'm thinking that the dime glory challenge is going to be back and i'm thinking that folks are like you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know if y'all are feeling it where you are respectively, like a little bit of a fever, like people are getting hyped. Like people are thinking about like, hey, caseloads are going down. I got the vaccine. I'm getting the vaccine. I'm feeling good. I got some money in my pocket. Got that stimulus. I'm trying to, I'm trying to ball out. Like what yeah, would be. This, this summer is going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all all you vibe. single people, all you single people. <laughs> people. 
go go hard in the paint. So I got to ask y'all, it's 2020, it's it's September 2021, right? Dime announces we're doing a glory challenge, you know? Come through to Canada. We're, we bout it, bout it. What would be the appropriate comeback for the glory challenge? What would be like the best way for skating to say like, hey, we're back, we're hanging out, we're sharing beers with strangers? Yeah, I mean, I think the glory challenge or the um, Copenhagen Pro is like, it would be a great coming out party for skateboarding because I, th- I think those are like very skate skater centric events and also like people centric so like you know you don't have to get a t- or you probably do have to get a ticket but it just feels so much more accessible than like a street league or tampa or something tampa was its own kind of crazy though <laughs> yeah i got i got a lot of love for tampa i've been to tampa a couple times for the pro and the am and it's always a good time and in general i really like going to a skate event and seeing pro skaters skating like it's it's really impressive to see a pro skater skate if you've never seen it in person jason you're in charge you've you've been asked to join the board of the dime glory challenge you're organizing events for the first event post-covid you try to set up the turn up of the year what do you what, what do you bring into the table what challenge what event oh if i could design a challenge how about a like longest like longest nose slide challenge maybe big fan of nose slides longest, yeah longest nose slide or tail slide challenge something like that uh yeah something like that would be pretty high and you're just like nose slide over shit like over a pit of alligators or something you know yeah i think that's a good call <laughs> just like a long ledge or flat bar over some kind of um yeah like a pit of alligators or lake of fire or some some kind of dangerous place where you don't want to fall <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we lived through the last year. <laughs> We're fearless now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out there. alligators. It would have to be like alligator friendly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're comfortable. Um, <laughs> I got one for y'all. How fast can you set up a hundred boards? A <laughs> <laughs> hundred completes. <laughs> oh my god! I think the last time I set up a new complete, it took me like half an hour. <laughs> I'm thinking like every skate shop, it'll be like um, it'll be like the All Star Game, right? Every skate shop sends their, you know, the Grom who's really good at setting up boards, you know, cracking their knuckles, put the sunglasses on. They got uh, Morricone music playing over the over the PA system. <laughs> I can barely I can barely set up one if I don't have a like a bearing press. Like no ba- no bearing press street no challenge. bearing press. So no you got a press. It's- so you got to wiggle the old bearings out with your truck axle and then stand on the truck to put the new bearings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, that's tough. A hundred? A hundred. A hundred. I think that would be amazing. Like get the best of the best. Like maybe like the, the preliminaries would be, you know, see who can set up a board the fastest, right? You get a whole bunch of people and then you say, okay, we've got 300, you know, 300 completes ready to be put together. The top three, the three people who can set up the board the fastest how fast can you set up a hundred boards? That, that's the most ridiculous challenge I've ever heard. I would, I would love it if they did that, and then they could donate the boards to some worthy cause. See, it works for everybody, and like, and you'd be playing some music to get them hyped, like maybe some uh, some Danzig, uh, early Metallica, some early Slayer, you know, some Testament, you know, maybe like just uh, some straight up hardcore, throw some Judge on there, something like that, like. Like, no getting tired. Like, you're just setting up boards and you're setting them up street style. Like, you're at the spot. 
all you've got is a razor blade and a skate tool, no bearing press. You're just setting up boards as fast as you can. Damn, that that sounds hilarious. I think one of the things about the Dime Glory Challenge that always gets me is some of this shit, like, people could get seriously hurt on, you know, like the, the giant gap or, like, the sword-shaped... Uh, flat bar, those kind of things. So I'd I'd like to see some challenges that are more like death defying like that. Maybe like a mega euro gap. Uh, I think that could be pretty uh pretty sick. I don't know. Oh, maybe I don't know. They should maybe they should take it to Berlin and cuz they missed out. It was it 2019 was the 30th anniversary of the fall of the Ber- the Berlin Wall. How come Vans didn't do off the wall like do a wall ride challenge at the <laughs> yeah, remaining Berlin. the remaining portions of the Berlin Wall? Berlin Wally yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see a Wally challenge. I know Yo. Polar did a like world's highest Wally challenge a while ago, but um, I'd like to see what the Dime Squad could do with the Wally. I think they could. I think they could do a lot of good. I am, um, you know, I mean, we're still deep in the thick of it, and COVID will probably be endemic for at least another maybe two to three years. Really, just depends on vaccination and mutations and such, but. I don't know. Like I said, like I, I, there's a fever, there's a there's a sentiment, there's a vibe, and maybe it's because the weather's getting nicer in LA. Um, but I, I get the feeling like you give people the green light, they're gonna people are gonna while out. It the shit's gonna look oh, yeah. like spring break. Yeah, and I think brands are feeling the same way. You know, they've got marketing budget to spend, and they want to do events. And I think that a lot of brands are also wanting to be like the first big event. But they're also a little like, I don't want to be the first big event that's also a super spreader event. Like they want to be the first event where it's like, we did it good. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got COVID. Everybody was safe and had a good time. So I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of demand out there. And I think that, um, you know, if Vans is smart, they're, they're putting money towards the dime guys and just saying like, be ready at the drop of a hat. Like, let's push go and get this going when it's time. That's what I would yeah. be doing if I was at Vans. Yeah. Who was who it uh, who put in the show notes a reference to Daytona Bike Week? Yeah, I wow. said that earlier. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> just it's like where it's not even about um, being on the bike. It's just like the atmosphere. It's that energy. Just like being around. Yeah, exactly. It's like a like a event for the, you know, for the culture. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Like Bike Week or something like that. Not even, I'm, I said Coachella, but like way less corny than that oh yeah Co- I mean? coachella is coachella is not even about the festival anymore it's about renting a house somewhere nearby in coachella valley joshua tree wherever and having an ill after party like nobody wants to be in yeah, yeah, yeah. desert sand everything like that can't see anything can't even get on the side stage nah you want to be invited to a cool pre-party day party or after party Maybe the yep. Dime Glory Challenge will turn into that and, like, you know, there'll be, like, the deluxe house where everybody goes and has a party with the deluxe folks. And then, like, there's the Soul Tech house and all that shit. I think that'd be pretty hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, which, remember um, Kalis talking about how he used to hang when he was living with Jamie Thomas in, was it San Diego? Yeah, I guess it was Pacific Beach area. And the Alien House was across the street. And he said, well, here's the thing. I liked hanging out at the Alien House because they used to shoot dice, smoke weed, and drink 40s. And that's what I was into. Which house, which, which company would have that house? Or would that be multiple houses? Or, you know, you know. DGK like, uh, maybe? DG, DGK Villa? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like they're, 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 
business savvy. Like they'd be like, nah, we're having a, <laughs> we're having a marketing meeting, um, 50 bucks to get in. Right. Like an entrepreneur's, uh, you know, brunch, kind of like the yeah. rock, it, like DGK is like the rock nation brunch. If you want to get it, you got to pay, but you're getting top level advice. I guess, I guess the habitat house would be like, everyone's just like playing acoustic guitars and like taking Polaroids and shit. <laughs> a mellow vibe. I'm trying to have a good time. I'm not trying to be 22 again. Yeah, someone pulls out an acoustic guitar. I'm out. Yeah, yeah that's no. <laughs> that's a no for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> well, speaking of making music, Habitat has mercifully never soundtracked their own videos with their own acoustic guitar music. Uh, but this week, Santa Cruz talked to Tony Manfrey about making music for Jeremy Nibs latest video part. It got us thinking about skater-made skate video soundtracks. There's a long history of this. What comes to mind first on this topic, Patrick? I remember the Physics Wheels video. Um, I don't even know if it's on YouTube or circulating on the internet, but it came with a CD of the music that was made for the video. Transworld's Greatest Hits had a song by, I believe it was uh, Mario Rubalcaba and Frank Harada. Frank Harada did his own music in Rolling Thunder, the foundation video. I liked a lot of that stuff. It was cool and it was and it was different. Even like what is it the the Ron Allen song for Mike York's part in Mouse? That was actually really dope. I was trying to find that for years. It was only much later on that I found out. I was like, oh no, Ron Allen did that custom. Hence the whole dedication to Mike York. Uh, but here's the thing: as somebody who is a better musician and DJ than skateboarder, I am od serious about all things music related to skateboarding. And there are times where it's done so goddamn badly that I think it actually undermines the video. And I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking it was the the Etnies video album, which was an incredible video, exceptionally filmed. Mike Menzuri knocked it out of the park. But I believe all the music was done in the same studio. And it's very much done in the same style, of like this sort of like wishy-washy skater indie. And it really dulled the impact of a lot of the skating. I understand that there's issues about licensing, this, that, and the third, but because so much of the music was so samey, it kind of had uh, it, 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 it undermined it, it undermined the skating. And it, it, the, this was the first Etnies video since High Five in the mid-1990s. And High Five had an outrageously good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Exceptional music supervision, like Tom Penny, Closing out the video, skating to David Bowie's Heroes. Oh, my God. Right? Deep cuts by uh, The Clash. Deep cuts by... Actually, Magnificent Seven Magnificent Seven by The Clash was a single. Deep cuts by Blondie, as well as The Pretenders. The, the Police. Hell, yeah. Oh, yeah. Driven to Tears. Yeah. yeah. Oh, also, what is it? Um, Flying High Again, the live version. Ozzy, like live Ozzy. Yeah, so it's like to go from that, like a video, like to this day, you throw on Etnie's High Five will get you hyped just because of the soundtrack. It makes for a great mixtape. You throw on Etnie's album, it makes the skating feel unforgettable, which is a goddamn shame. I mean, Jason, what do you think makes, what do you think makes great skate music? Like, what is it? How does a skater, how does a skater avoid those pitfalls of, of making their own music or submitting their own soundtrack that just kills the part? Yeah, well, this has been going on for a while, like back in, uh, I guess, the Eight Street days. Like most of the songs in like Hocus Pocus were like bands that they knew from the San Diego area and that kind of shit, like um, Sub Society, 
and all that shit. So I, I would say that's skater music because it's like made by skater adjacent, you know what I mean, folks. But the main thing with a good skate song or a skate compo- song composed for a part has to be like, has to be catchy as fuck because you have to be able to, it has to like stay in your head while you're skating to get you psyched. For example, like the McRad song from the Power video, like, just that riff, like, just stays in your head. You know what I mean? Totally. Shit. Yeah, I can definitely remember skating with that in my head. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. getting hyped. Yeah, and also, um, yeah, who else, like, composed music for their own part? Like, Klaus Grabke made that yep. song, like, uh, What's So Strange About Me from, uh, what's we call it, Wheels of Fire. Like, the song that, I don't remember who did it, like, about Sheffy in the Life video, like, the song that comes on after the... Uh, Spaghetti Western song, you know what I mean? It's like biographical. Yep. What about that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Boy King or whatever. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, if someone can like write a song about you for your part, that's pretty tight. But you can't like make a song about yourself for your part. What about Muska? That's that's, Muska beats. Yeah, yeah, Muska. Yeah, Muska beats is cool. Like, it wasn't the lyrics weren't like about him. You know what I mean? He had the juice, though. He could have definitely written he the could whole... Have, yeah, he could have done the whole package. He could have, yeah. He, he was like, he was that dude. I mean, <laughs> then I have the follow-up question, which is, what about... Because um, audio mixing in skate videos can sometimes be a little bit iffy, right? So there's a famous story about how Paulo Diaz was so embarrassed when Las Nueva Vidas de Paco dropped, and his music, you know, his music was mixed so low that it, it kind of, like... It didn't hit the way that it should have, even though it was yeah, yeah, I remember huge, that beautiful song. And like he was at this point where he was like opening for the Beastie Boys at the Palladium in Hollywood, and you know he had that part in Big Brother's Shit where he's playing. He did a bunch of his own music, and his music is cool. Like Paulo Diaz is is that fucking guy. But you know if it's not mixed correctly, if it doesn't, it can sound so bad. Yeah, I was always surprised at how bad it sounded. Like like what was it like i just figured that they like bought some tape at a gas station and this was like the weird music that was on it or something i didn't i didn't know at the time that paulo had made his own music yeah although i mean that's a weird excuse too because what is it um so-called friends the group home song that tony ferguson skated to like that was a probably like a second or third generation dub i don't even think that song is available on the album i think it's a bonus track now or it's kind of it's obviously floating around on streaming or on YouTube, whatever. But they would just put songs that people hooked them up with. Even like the Beastie Boy stuff that uh, Jacob Rosenberg used for Questionable, that that was all advance. So oh yeah, a um, couple things about that. So called friends was on a compilation called Ill Kid Records or some shit, and I think Ill Kid Records was like Guru's label. So it was on a CD, like you could buy it. Okay, because I, I think they had like a okay, so like somebody like dubbed the CD, dubbed the cassette, dubbed the cassette, dubbed the cassette. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's what it sounded like. By the time it got to Crail Tap, but although like, damn, Tony Ferguson always had the smoothest parts. Like I know, <laughs> I say this like every other episode, but like that that was so hard. Ooh, yeah, but, that, um, yeah, that was pretty hard. And um, the Beastie Boys thing, I think Jacob Rosenberg talked about this on someone like someone's Instagram Live or podcast or some shit like. It was like a trade. Like they gave, they let Ternaski use the music if they let, if he gave them footage for the um, that video, Time for Living, if you remember that. Sounds like a fair trade to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, which was like the video is just like these was concert footage inter interspliced with like footage from Questionable. So that's the deal with that, I guess. Yeah, like, there's all types of deals that go down. So what about um, what about skate musicians who make kind of um, what what about what it goes wrong? I mean, <laughs> if you if you're rapping, oh my god, like I think now that like, there's a lot more because especially thanks to mumble rap, there's a lot more space for you to be a bad rapper and riding over uh, a hot beat. But there has been some instances of skaters rapping and putting that into their own parts. And it's like, it's not gone over so well. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's, uh, I mean, Terry Kennedy did his own, right? That was kind of hard though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to think. I don't think Jeremy Rogers ever did his own soundtrack. Did he? I don't know, but it, it, then it's like back to the musket thing. Like there was a Jeremy Rogers in his window, probably could have dropped his own part, but like he went with like he, yeah, his his his, his MCing is not so tight. Uh, I'm on the fence about Henry Sanchez and Pat Washington, if only because it it fits the part. Like it actually it it actually works well for the part. Like I would never go and cop that single, and I definitely wouldn't play it out. But for the skating, it's cool. Yeah, they're yeah. I mean, it's it's not super serious. They're like walking around in a like a not a bodega. It wouldn't be a bodega because it's in San Francisco. But you know what I mean, like a corner store or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, with with like a boombox. Like it's not super serious. Terry Kenny seemed like he took it seriously. I mean, definitely. He, I mean, he, <laughs> he was he was yeah. He wasn't fucking around. Oh, <laughs> The one that comes but, to my mind, it's not rap, but it's uh, Evan Smith. I feel like he's soundtracked his own video parts at least once, and it's not gone so well. Yeah, in my, uh, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, that's that. That's not really that. I guess that genre isn't really my cup of tea, so I can't really comment on it. But yeah, he's done that a bunch of times. I wouldn't even say that he he's that the worst offender. I think it's like there's two terrible things you can do: bad skate punk and bad skate indie. Um, and I would say bad skate indie is worse because especially when you have skaters who kind of come into that, y'all remember being in like your mid twenties and you find yourself maybe listening to some Nick Drake or yeah, Yo, like I, going, I, listen to, I listen to Nick Drake today, you know, like, or like you, you find yourself like going deep, like in Bell and Sebastian's catalog, like Jeepster era, like Bell and Sebastian singles. And, you know, you're, you're feeling a little bit melancholy and you've just, you've just learned how to play the acoustic guitar and somebody gets it in your head that you should soundtrack your own part. And you just make this like to quote high fidelity. It's like this sad bastard music. Like, Oh Jesus, don't do it. Like that is the worst. Has anybody the, done that? I, I think, I, I think Habitat was threatening to, and those guys are all amazing skaters, but like <sighs> Geneva Convention, Crimes Against Humanity, that that's that's up there. Did, uh, it's it's just awful. <laughs> did Josh Harmony do that? I'm gonna put him in the show notes. Yeah, I think Josh Harmony. I know Josh Harmony makes some kind of sad bastard music. Uh, I feel Don't get me wrong. Like I love. He might have soundtracked his own part. I actually looked at it. There was like a Jankum list from 2013 of um, skaters who soundtracked their own parts, and I think somebody mentioned Josh Harmony in in the comments of that. So I just wrote it down, and you know, hope that maybe one of you guys knew about it. Yeah, he's. I mean, he had his time. Yeah, I wasn't. That's not really the genre of skating that I'm super into. You know, what I mean, y'all y'all know me. Y'all know you know you know what I mean. Right. But he's uh, not Euro so, or Tech. Yeah, he's not your Euro tech. He's not a ledge ninja. Um, 
Yeah. So, like, and if you're gonna do skate punk, it actually has to be good. And if even if it's not good, like for example, um, I can't remember the band that uh, TNT is in. Uh, Tony Trujillo that he had with, uh, with bad Help. shit. Yeah, but like they had a that song All Hail Cardiel. All mm-hmm. Hail Cardiel. It would be sacrilege for you to say like that song doesn't get you hyped. <laughs> No, yeah, um, yeah, all hail Cardiel goes hard, yeah. Yeah, you. Oh, you know who's actually really good is uh, Daniel LeBron and Jesus Fernandez. Oh, bro, for yeah, those those guys are uh, they're like uh, wizards, man. Like, like all- flamenco guitar playing is it takes years to get decent, and the amount of focus that it requires is harder than anything you will ever do on a skateboarding on a skateboard, and you know the masters are all old as dirt. And the fact that they are young-ish and they're so serious and dedicated about it and they've made skating look good to it, yo. Actually, like, skating to Gypsy Kings, any kind of flamenco, any kind of, like, Spanish-style guitar is actually hype. That, like, that gets me hyped as well. Almost as much as, like, um, pretty much, like, the Girl's Mouse or the first couple chocolate videos where it's pretty much just, like, old black man music. Like, yeah, it was, like, old old breaks and shit. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the flamenco thing, yeah, that... It's weird how that it kind of just vibes well with those dudes, like how they skate, like Enrique and Javier. And yeah, you know, it's he, like a perfect pairing because even like yeah, the locations, like, you know, there's like palm trees and they're like oh, yeah, seaside. Totally. It just all works together. Totally. It's also it's also weird too because if you are a good pro skater, I think it is sometimes like people pick up being in a band because it's it's something else to do, and especially if you've gotten good enough where your parts are done and you have a lot of downtime and you're still getting, you know, you're still getting paid. The problem is though, you know, once you start getting into the, into booking shows and maybe doing a couple tours here and there, you can't do both. Like being a, you know, once you start getting decent at it, like, and once you actually start getting, if you actually get to the point where you're, you're getting positive feedback and people are coming to your shows, not just cause you skate, um, I think that's where it can get really challenging, and then that's like where like, a place like LA is weird because you can have a you can have a skate band here, and you can play places like the Kibitz Room, which is next to Kendra's Deli on Fairfax, where Supreme and all of them are at, and like that's a cool thing. Like that's a weird thing. Like New York and LA are cities that are big enough to have big enough music markets that you could just tour around the counties and be good money. Like you don't actually have to get big. You know, that's that's its own international market right there, even though it's one city. Oh yeah, that that reminds me. I think Justin Figueroa or Riley Hawk or both skated to their own music, like their own respective uh, like stoner rock bands. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that music is so um, nondescript that uh, you know I I couldn't tell like a good version from a bad version. Oh, you got to leave it to bands like Fu Manchu. If you're gonna put stoner rock in a video, just Fu Manchu. There we go. Yeah, they. I mean, yeah. Someone like hit me to him, like one of one of them two's bands, and like I listened to it, it was like okay, but you know what I mean? Because I fuck with that genre to a certain extent, and like it didn't really, didn't really feel like listening to it like a second time. You know what I mean? So, what about skaters who have actually kind of stepped out of skateboarding almost entirely, at least for a period of time, just to do music? Like Mike Vallely, like somehow landing a gig as the replacement singer in Black Flag. Oh my god. And- or um or matt hensley oh yeah like the biggest example is matt hensley like uh yeah his uh skating career was just like a uh like in the blink of an eye compared to his uh foggy molly career like they're still 
how doing it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he's he's. It was, uh, just, it was just St. Patrick's Day, so they so they probably made like a shit ton of money playing. Oh hell yeah, he or live stream somewhere. Yeah, he 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 he's probably he's probably more recognized for for that than for any of his skating, which is actually kind of wild. It kind of shows you like this this roller coaster ride of skating, but. Like think about like Mike V. I love Rollins era Black Flag, and it, it, there's just something so weird about Mike V stepping into shoes because Mike V is a talented dude and can do many things. And I have to tip my hat to anybody who can legit beat up four dudes at once with good reason. He wasn't picking a fight with them; they picked a fight with him. They called him names, started to fight with his homies, and he rocked four dudes at once. But like you can be Rollins, an immortal, an immortal video. Yeah, like like you can't be Henry Rollins. See, I never liked Rollins as a as the Black Flag singer. What? I liked, I think yeah, I, I just didn't really vibe with it because I I think he was too much of a star. You know, like the other singers, it's just like you're listening to Black Flag, whereas mm-hmm. you're listening to Henry Rollins Black Flag. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, even Rollins, like the wild thing is just finding out recently. I heard an interview with him on maybe it was one of his radio shows and he talked about the fact that the accounting at SST was so bad nobody actually made any money like they were on stipend and kind of oh, just yeah I don't yeah I don't doubt it like hand to mouth the entire time and then the band is over and he hasn't seen a cent since somebody's making a lot of money off of black flag you know cuz they Gim. they were banned for how long and then just they just are like your punk rock starter pack you know so people are always still buying black flag merch listening to black flag music yeah somebody's making a shitload of money off of black flag i never yeah. i never really got into black flag i don't see what the big deal is for some reason i think it it's a window it's like uh. it, it's a moment um who was it like it was a friend of mine in high school gave me a copy of damaged and that was my actually no my in was um yeah one of the parts that always gets hit with the vert button jordan richter in video days it was my war embarrassing story i had to do I took a public speaking course in junior year of high school and I had to do, we had to pick a song and we had to do it in a spoken word style. And this is super embarrassing, but I did a spoken rendition of my war by black flag. Oh, you should have done uh should have done TV party. A <laughs> better probably. Probably. It was so, it was, that's it only, was that's like the only black flags I know. I, I kind of went straight to like, gorilla biscuits or whatever you i think you may you may have made the correct choice because like because <laughs> um i don't know like i don't even love the way that uh, black flag records are mixed or the way that they sound now at the time it was just it was loud and it was fast so i thought it was cool but yeah like sst like sonic youth didn't make any money uh dinosaur jr like pretty much any cool band that was on that label like this is one of those just like we haven't got money what money and i was like oh okay and so everybody had to sue for their masters, which is which is unfortunate. But back to skate music, uh, Tommy G, Soul Food Taqueria. Excuse me. Oh Tommy yeah. G, Soul Food ta- Soul Food Taqueria. His his music is his music is good. Him and um, Ray Barbie. Him and Ray and Ray Barbie. Ray Barbie's actually also is dude. He's got like the thousand watt smile. Like you just like feel like smiling just being around him. Yeah, there's a few dudes in skating that are actually good, and yeah, I'd say Tommy Guerrero is is probably at the top of like dudes I would hit up if I'm making a skate video. Oh yeah, great music. Also, even like um, yeah, I think he he did the song for Matt uh, Matt Rodriguez's part in Visual Sound. Yeah, and it's just like a bunch of tape loops and some live guitar playing. 
it's beautiful. It, like it, it's the only, it's the only non-jazz song on the soundtrack, and it works. It like it fits in so well. Like that takes talent to be able to have a song that is so different from the rest of a soundtrack of a video, but it it still fits in. And also like Ray Barbie is actually a very good guitar player. I saw him at I think Moog Synthesizers was sponsoring an event in Echo Park in LA and they had a bunch of modular synths set up in a house and he popped in and was kind of like peeping around. I think he, he's getting a little bit into synthesizers and some other things, but he was just such a cool dude. And he's like, he's fun to, it, it's fun to watch those skaters who've been playing guitar all these years and have been doing things quietly. Like it's fun to watch them. Like, like that's actually something I, I really respect, but like, don't, don't, don't be coming out here trying to make like Bell and Sebastian. Leave leave yeah. that to them. Like Bell and Sebastian, that that's their lane. You can't do that. Yeah, for for some reason, when skaters start playing guitar, they always go for like the acoustic type of shit. Like I don't know if there's a pro who who like became like a shred metal like Steve Vai type of guy. You know, I wonder. There must I don't be know if that's someone. I, that would be tight someone from, someone from the '80s. Somebody who was an '80s vert pro, because it was like either you got in a punk band like like. Dwayne Peters, because it was like such a, a a punk influence on skating from day one, really. At least um, with street skating and 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 pool skating, um, or at least like a punk glam, whatever whatever you want to call it. But yeah, is there anybody who used to skate contests who decide? I yeah, I feel like I need an entire magazine that's just all the music interviews from Thrasher, and we'd be able to figure out. Actually, one musician who just recently got back into skating is. Stuart Braithwaite from Mogwai. Oh, yeah. Mogwai is the shit, dude. Yeah. I think also, as I think that was one of the loudest shows I've ever seen. And I saw My Bloody Valentine on their first reunion tour when they were deafening and they blew out the sound system at Roseland in New York. Uh, Mogwai were even louder than that, if you could believe it. Actually, I think I read somewhere, like allegedly, Zach De La Roja used to skate Castle castle contest in the day oh wow what i think the metallica dude used to skate too but they had to stop because like oh, the yeah. manager was like yeah they broke uh, break your hand yeah one of them either james or kirk broke his arm skating the pool or something mm-hmm. yeah, boy skate. yeah 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 um uh, recipes adam you you skate uh tom um tom from blink 182 tom yes yeah, I, yeah, I saw that photo recently he's skating like uh that that whatever the h street school school q or school w or whatever one of the one of those hd schools yeah actually that's a, it's the weirdest thing like when i first heard blink 182 they're one of those bands that always showed up in the sessions catalogs or <laughs> california skate express and they were on warp tour and then they went and became huge and i remember there was an mtv a day in the life it wasn't quite cribs and they went to taco bell and they spent a shitload of money on on getting taco bell and i'm thinking to myself now having lived in California for, you know, like coming on seven years, you live in San Diego with some of the best Mexican food in the country. Why are you hitting up Taco Bell? Especially like, it's not like these guys were poor. Like they were rolling through in a, in a nice SUV. Hey, hey, sometimes you just got to live moss, you know? <laughs> got to ring that bell. <laughs> Dong. I feel like we talked about this before on this podcast and we figured that they were trying to get sponsored by Taco Bell. Wouldn't that already have happened? Or is that like, we're sneaking in some ad placement onto this MTV show, we're going to Taco Bell? Yeah, I, I don't know. Or maybe they're just trying to be like, uh, 
identifiable or like uh, relatable. I guess so. You know, it, it's actually like if we're talking like skaters and musicians, like actually like there was again MTV Sports did a whole Warp Tour episode, and there were I think it was maybe the guys in Shelter. I think they may have skated, or maybe it was somebody in Suicide Machines. I don't. I don't think Shelter. I don't think. Well, maybe. Maybe one of the new dudes. This is like 1996, 1997. So oh yeah, I don't know if Ray. I don't know if Ray Capo skated. Seems like something he would have done, like in the youth of today days. God, like you know, you know, it's really scary. That is decades ago. That that's so long. That's so long ago. Like there's members of some of those bands who are either collecting a pension or about to collect a pension. So yeah. Wild. Yeah. Thirty-five years ago, or some shit like that. Like thirty-five years, like you're looking at a picture of a hardcore band playing somewhere on the Lower East Side, and you're thinking, like, this person is thinking about their pills and Metamucil today. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's like Tony (laughs) Alva or whatever. He's like, you know, (laughs) like or whatever. Yeah, dude, like it's you like like you cross like clearly it's like blue plate uh, dinner special territory, and like. There's like a whole gen- there's always like a new generation of kids who are getting into hardcore, who are getting into some kind of music like that, not realizing that the people who played in these bands are are much older now. Those who you know who are still with us, and that's I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty weird. But then again, Ozzy is still doing his thing, so I don't know. Is he? I think he might have retired. So like, so I missed out. Like, so I screwed up by not going to see Black Sabbath on their final tour. Yes, most know. definitely. They, like they had like five final tours or something. I keep missing. I keep missing that stuff. I like, actually saw, went to see them with Pantera at the Nassau Coliseum. Rest in peace, the Nassau Coliseum. Oh my God! When was this? It was that was like nineteen ninety eight. Oh my God! That must have been ama- like the parking lot and this like the vibe at the venue must have been amazing. Yeah, I took. I was living in New York at the time. I took the, the train out there, and then you take a bus from the train to the Coliseum. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Was, yeah, that was wow. <laughs> Good times. I'm just thinking about like how wild the people on the train were. Yeah, you could tell who was going to to the show, and he <laughs> was just like a a regular Joe commuter. One <laughs> like, hour. Just headed to West Babylon. Leave me yeah, alone. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm tend to Jericho. Oh, damn metal kids <laughs> oh that sounds awesome <laughs> we ready to wrap this thing up yeah i'm yeah. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> i'm ready to get stoked nice uh well that brings us to the end of our show where we talked about what we're stoked on jason what are you stoked on this week i am stoked on venture trucks out of uh san francisco california it's almost springtime time to step new board with a uh Fresh pair of ventures and stay awake and all that shit. Also stoked on the new Guy Mariano Instagram clip. Just uh, following up on last week's pod. He doesn't grab his. Uh, he doesn't do. He doesn't grab while doing a ledge trick, which is awesome. It's like he does this really sick like transfer thing. It's kind of like something he would have done in a not really mouse yet. Kind of like the virtual reality guy era. So was pretty hyped on that. Also stoked on another podcast called Where It Went. It's uh, one of these hardcore nerds. Hardcore like fans might nerd out over stuff even harder than skate nerds. So these guys kind of go through the uh, the whole Revelation Records catalog. Revelation Records being like one of, if not the most, 
uh, important like hardcore labels in order, and they just like talk about each record and interview the band stuff. So that's pretty dope. Been uh, making my way through those over the past few weeks. Uh, Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? So I'm stoked on a few things this week. First off, I'm, I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels. I copped a set of Kevin Bradley Gremlins, the tablets. So setting up those. Um, I got to skate a new park way out there in LA County in La Puente, just opened up. I ordered a copy of No Beer on a Dead Planet, which was recommended by Quell Skate Magazine. I believe it's by an author called uh, Jono Coot. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I'm stoked on a resource guide that just came out in response to the rash of killings of Asian Americans down in the greater Atlanta area. Um, it has a list of Asian American community organizations as well as mutual aid foundations that are looking for donations right now. Um, I'm not necessarily here to tell you what to do or how to do it. I think y'all should do your research and learn about uh, anti-Asian anti racism in America. But I will ask Templeton to drop this link in the show notes and if you want to actually, if you're feeling itchy and you you got to do something, donate some money because a lot of these organizations, they're all over the country, all across the United States. They're looking for money. They need money. They're local. They're at the ground level. Absolutely. If you, you know, educate yourself, most importantly, but, you know, if you got some extra cash, I know some of y'all got, got that stimmy, you know, hook it up. Uh, Templeton, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on a skate video that came out in December from the National Skateboard Co. out of England. It's called MMXX. That's Roman numerals for 2020. Um, and it's just good solid skating, good music, good spots. Tommy May and Michael Juras are the standouts. Uh, if you're familiar with those guys, you'll definitely be stoked to see them skating in this video. Uh, so check it out. It's linked in the show notes along with everything else we talked about today um that's it for the show this week be sure to check out mostly skateboarding.net for those show notes that i just mentioned until next time you can keep up with us all week online jason where can the people find you on the twitter at carbonite1994 on instagram at frozen carbonite and writing stuff for quartersnacks.com new stuff in the works coming soon for springtime early summer nice mm. Patrick, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks, and you can find me on Instagram and yes, on Clubhouse, not talking about NFTs, at P Kigongo. Templeton, where can the people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later. <laughs> Thank you.